All right, let's jump into this because I know uh, good things going on today. Hey, what does he has risen mean? What does it mean? He's alive. Fantastic. So am I. What does it mean? It means sin has been conquered because the wages of sin is death. And so if Jesus wouldn't have risen for the dead, that meant that sacrifice didn't work. But the, the, the fact that he could raise means he was rose for our justification is what scripture says. He died for our sins, but the fact and the proof to mankind to that sin has been conquered was he rose from the dead. The fact that we can say he has risen means there's no more sin. You should have no more consciousness of sin. You should have no more consciousness of sin because his sacrifice perfected you for how long? Forever. So what are we doing running around worried about sin? As a man thinketh in his heart, what? So is he. So if you still think, see yourself as a sinner, here's the problem. You don't recognize that Jesus took your sin by faith and he died your death by faith is what it says. Don't you know you were baptized into his death? His death was your death. Amen? So if you've already died, the wages for sin is death, and Jesus provided your death, then what's the big deal? That's the power of he's risen. I'm completely sinless for the rest of my life. The challenge for us is we still sin. Amen? But we're not supposed to have a consciousness of sin. And that's what I've shown you. If you understand the lamb, if you go back to Jewish writings, and that's why I'm excited about the kids because they're going to learn it today. I, I, all I remember growing up was I would go into Mardell's and there's the lion and the lamb. Fantastic. It's as good as he has risen to me. It means nothing to me if I don't understand the whole context of scripture, right? Imagine a little kid, he's the lion and the lamb. What does that mean? What does that mean to a little kid? They were probably like me. Where's the candy, right? <laughs> And that's how it is, too. I know all you Sunday school teachers, you're awesome, but here's what I tell my wife all the time, sweetie. It's babysitting. It's babysitting. <laughs> you give them some stuff, and they're just fired up to go watch a movie and eat some candy and do whatever. So anyway, it's really babysitting. So all you, I, I appreciate all you guys. Do the best you can. Give them the message. And then if they're terrorizing you, they're probably my kids, so I apologize. Um, but they're out of that now, so they're Ramiko's kids now. Six of them. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> Usually when there's something going on with kids, I go, where's Bear? Where's my little man? He's probably in the middle of it. He's so, he's so full of life. I love him. So he's awesome. Anyway, so he's risen for our justification, meaning he's conquered sin. So let's go through scripture to see all this. But if you understand, here's what they're teaching them, the lamb. So the old covenant, here's what would happen. If I sinned, if I had consciousness of sin, I knew I did something wrong, right? What would I do? I'd bring a lamb. I'd bring a lamb to the high priest. And the high priest would look at what? The lamb. He wouldn't ask me what I did wrong. Amen? That's why when I counsel you guys, I know a lot of you guys feel like the need to go, let me tell you. No, I, let me tell you about the lamb. Because the lamb was perfect, so I don't need to know what was wrong with you. I need to know, you need to know that the lamb was perfect. That's all you need to know. Well, you don't know this. You don't know my, I don't need to know it. But if you feel, I'll listen. You, see, you get what I'm trying to say? What I'm trying to do is point you to the lamb. See, the, the, they would come, they would sin, and they'd bring, the high, they'd bring their lamb to the high priest. The high priest would inspect it, make sure there's no spot or blemish, and they would go, this is acceptable, because this one's perfect. 
Now, they would lay hands on that lamb as significance that my sin and death is being transferred to the lamb, but the lamb's perfection is being transferred to me. And the minute that lamb was sacrificed, when there's blood shed, there is remission of sin. So the, the Jew walked away going, thank you, Father. I can be blessed like no other nation because that lamb was sacrificed and every other nation's outside of that covenant. They don't have a lamb. We're the only ones that have a lamb. But Jesus comes and he goes, that wasn't just for you. It was for Abraham, all of his seeds. It was for the people who believe and it was for the people who are under the law so all can be saved. The real lamb is for everybody, not just the Jews. Does that make sense? So now, once once the perfect lamb's been sacrificed, what are you doing walling around with the consciousness of sin? You're not supposed to have it. You're supposed to realize once and for all, I'm righteous. Hallelujah. Well, if I'm righteous, then what? Let's step into the land flowing with milk and honey. Amen? It's free. That's the whole point. Now, when you start to really get that in your heart, now you can start receiving. Amen? Does that help you? So if we've got any issues, that's why we meditate on his love for us, that we're perfect. We're perfect in every way. We're unconditionally loved because the lamb was sacrificed forever. So let's go through scripture because this is all about Easter. But listen, every day should be Easter to you. Every day should be Easter to you. That doesn't mean you have to come to church. That means, in fact, <laughs> you guys are awesome. So I, I love the fact that you're free enough to have a latte at home. I really do. Trust me, if I could figure out a way to do it, it'll happen. I just don't know how to do it. You know what we deal with this all the time? We're like, what do we do with the kids? Yeah, that's why we got to go to church. <laughs> Otherwise, we could all just hang out in people's houses and party and share the gospel. Amen? All right. So he's risen for your justification. Did God need him to rise? No. God, God's fine, wasn't he? He's the same yesterday and today and forever. So if he is love and he is life, was God ever mad at Jesus? No. I've preached this wrong. I'm, I'm I got to go clean some services up because I was taught the wrath of God fell on Jesus. No, the wrath of man fell on Jesus. The wrath of man fell on Jesus. God's conscience didn't need to be cleansed. Whose conscience needed to be cleansed? Ours. So he goes, I'm going to provide a man and I'm going to show you that by faith he can take all the sin of the world and even though he dies, I'm going to prove to you that there's no longer sin because he's going to rise. That should comfort your heart that sin's gone. Because if there was still sin there, Jesus couldn't rise. Does that make sense? Anyway, so the wrath of man, the law will always persecute grace, right? The law will always persecute grace. So who actually killed Jesus? The religious people. They killed Jesus, amen? They did. Did God kill Jesus? No, he says, listen, I could come down here, I could ask for legions of angels anytime. I'm doing this because I want to fulfill your will, Lord, which your will is, I'm, my, the wrath of man is, and I, I sorry, Ramiko, you're just on my mind, so I, I'm using him all the time, because he's, he's one of the baddest dudes on the planet. Uh, I'm close, but no, not really. <laughs> but here's how I look at it. So you take this UFC guy, or, you know, that's why I like this stuff. Like, in our minds, we think, don't mess with that guy. Follow me? Because what happens if you mess with him? So you'd be like me, if, if, if I touched any of Ramicho's kids, did anything to them, I'm going to experience the wrath of what? The Father. See, the wrath of the Father was, I hate where man is. I hate that they have this consciousness of sin. I'm going to do everything to buy them back and bring them back into the family so they can live free the rest of their life. The wrath of man killed Jesus, not God. God is love and he's life and he'll never change. Does that make sense? And he goes, I hate the fact that man's in this fallen state 
that he feels like I'm judging him and, I, and I'm, I've, I'm judging him guilty. That was never my heart. My heart is I love him perfectly. I'm going to preserve it way back into the garden. If you go read it, that's what I've been showing you in Genesis. He was never mad. So his wrath was, I'm going to destroy this guilt consciousness forever. You'll never eat from that tree. That's why when he came out and cleansed the temple, he said, he cursed that fig tree, right? The very first time we see fig leaves was when Adam and Eve trying to, trying to cover themselves. I'm going to receive life by trying to be good enough. No, that'll kill you, right? So there's only two trees to eat from. And then he comes out, he cleanses the temple. He comes out of Jerusalem and sees that fig tree. And what does he say? I'm going to cut that tree down Never eat from that tree again because it looks good. There's a way that seems right unto man that if I'm good enough, it'll produce fruit. And he goes, nope, all it produces leaves, no fruit. So I'm cutting that thing down. Does that make sense? So I'm cutting that old work system, that old guilt consciousness system down and never eat from that again. Never eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You should have no more consciousness of evil. Works to be good. You're free, you're sinless, you're righteous, you're loved. Well, if that's true, then we're in good shape, amen? Now we can rejoice every day. Does that make sense to you guys? All right, let's go through scripture to show you some of this. All right, we, we covered this a little bit last month. So the old covenant were stories, types, shadows of good things to come. What was the good thing to come? Jesus. So you'll see all the old covenant stories Jesus fulfills. And that's where scripture becomes fun when you start looking for them. Lord, where are you here? Right? Where, where, what does this mean here? So, all right, on the 10th of the, this is out of uh, Exodus. On the 10th of the month, the very first month, Every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, lamb for all household. Verse 5, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the groats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. So they take it on the 10th, and they keep it till the, they inspect it for how many days? If it, four days. They did it on the 10th, and they inspect it for four days, right? Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. So... There's going to be this lamb that you inspect for four days, but after four days on the fifth day, you do what to it? You kill it. What's that a type and shadow of? Jesus, that's what we were talking about last week. Last Sunday, when he went into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, guess what day that was? The 10th month of Nisan. He came into Jerusalem exactly when he was supposed to come. Right? Right? That true? I want to show you this it here a minute, and then we'll, we'll show you, we'll keep going over this thing. But I just want you to focus on that word it. Your lamb, you're going to keep this thing for four days, you're going to inspect it, make sure it has no spot or blemish for four days, then you shall kill it. I love this kind of stuff. I just stumbled upon this when I was doing some Google searches. And uh, you guys have heard Joseph Prince talk about when Jesus gets up there and says, I am the left off. In Greek, it says, I am the alpha and omega. It's the first and the last, letter of the alphabet. But Jesus didn't speak Greek pretty much. He spoke Hebrew and Aramaic, right? So Jesus would have told, if you go look at the very first work in, the very first verse in the Bible, there's seven words there. The center one is Aleph Toph. And it's untranslated even today. Go, to, go look at an interlinear, interlinear Bible. But a lot of you guys ask how I do this. I go look up scripture. Just say Genesis 1, or you could go Exodus 12.5. Go to BibleHub.com. Put in Exodus 12.5, then hit interlinear. If it's in the Old Covenant, it'll pick up the Hebrew. If it's in the New Covenant, it'll t- tell you in Greek. But if you look at that very first verse of the Bible, Genesis 1, in the very center, it says, Aleph Toph, untranslated. So Jesus comes and he goes, listen, I'm going to fulfill every jot and tittle of that whole thing. 
I am that Aleph Toph. I'm that Alpha Omega. Now, here's what's interesting about Hebrew. Hebrew has uh, not only a letter, but it's a symbol or a picture, and it also is a number. So, guess what the picture of Aleph, the very first thing is? It's an ox or a sacrificial servant animal. And Toph, the very last letter of the Hebrew alphabet, guess what that is? The cross. I'm the Alpha and Omega. I, this whole thing is about the ox on the cross. I am the Alpha, the, the left top. I am the ox that you're going to sacrifice on the cross. Now, you go read this. I was just, I was just minding my business. And I, she knows I do this a lot. I just start messing around on the internet, looking at scriptures and everything. Like, oh, that's beautiful. So, when it says kill it, it's actually Aleph, Taf, Vav. Now, guess what the picture of Vav is? That little, I don't know what you call it. Hebrew reads left to right. So, it's Aleph, Vav, or Aleph, Taf, the ox on the cross, nail. Kill it. You're going to put the ox on the cross with nails. That's going to be the lamb that entered on Jerusalem on the 10th. You inspected it for four days, made sure it was no spot or blemish, and then you're going to kill it at twilight. Jesus is the ox on the, that was nailed to the cross. Isn't that beautiful? It's so awesome to me. Anyway, I love that kind of stuff. No, tell them they're sinners. No, okay, never mind. <laughs> hey, you can get that at any church. <laughs> Go there if you don't want the good news, okay? All right, so... Jesus entered Jerusalem on the 10th of Nisan. He was inspected by the high priest. He was inspected by Annas. He was inspected the old high priest. He was inspected by Caiaphas, the new high priest, the Jewish councils, all the people in Jerusalem. So Jesus comes in on the 10th of Nisan. And let's read Luke 23. Then Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests, the rulers, the people, he was the real lamb that all society, the high priests, everybody was going to inspect for four days. And what was the result? You brought this man to me as one who misleads the people. Indeed, having examined him in your presence, you're supposed to inspect that lamb, make sure it's without spot or blemish. What does he say? I found no fault in this man. He's perfect. Amen? He was the true lamb that was inspected for four days. Then he is killed at twilight. Amen? It's so awesome when you understand this. Concerning those things which you accuse him, all right? So, I'm going to show you some other things he fulfilled at resurrection. I'm just going to give you some cool things that... The whole, everything has to point to Jesus. It has to be the judgment of man's works versus life-giving freedom of Jesus' work. There's only two trees ever. One produces death, one produces life, right? Disney's figured it out. The church hasn't yet. There's good and there's evil. Follow me? But Disney thinks evil is nasty characters and stuff, and it's the stuff that you guys wouldn't let your kids watch because the demons going to jump on them. But I watched all of it, and they didn't jump on me. So, in fact, I felt I was probably more normal. Like, Really? You're worried about that? It's a movie. It's Beauty and the Beast. No, it's the Beast. <laughs> no, it's just this dude, hunchback dude that's furry, and, right? <laughs> I had no fear of the demon jumping on me. I didn't. I didn't. You got to learn that. It streams something. So anyway, um, so all these things are types and shadows. Okay. So let's read the Exodus. Here's 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 God. He says, listen. I'm going to, you create this ark system, this whole temple sacrifice system, and I'm going to meet with you between the cherubs. He's telling them how, where I'm going to meet with you, okay? So Exodus 25, 19, make one, what's a cherub? I don't really understand it. It's like this angel-looking thing. I've never seen one, so 
I haven't dropped acid, so I, I don't know what it looks like. Some of you guys, some, my friend Norm was, I haven't, sorry. So some of you guys like, no, I can see the music coming out of the speaker. Like, really? It's weird. But anyway, all right. <laughs> some of you guys maybe have seen one. Um, I haven't. Make one cherub, it's this angel-looking thing, at one end and the other cherub at the other end. So one angel on one end of the ark and another angel on the other end of the ark, okay? You shall make the cherubim at the two ends of it, one piece with the mercy seat. Didn't scripture say, didn't Paul say Jesus was the propitiation of our sins and the actual translation of that? Jesus was the mercy seat. Anyway, uh, and the cherubim shall stretch out their wings above it, covering the mercy seat with their wings, and they shall face one another. The faces of the cherubim shall be towards the mercy seat. You shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put the testimony that I gave you. And there I will meet with you. And I will speak with you from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim who are on the ark of the testimony. So here's God's, here's, here's the story of something that's going to be fulfilled in Jesus. You guys starting to get how types and shadows work? It says, listen, under the old covenant system, who could meet with God? Just the high priest. Amen? Was that God's plan? No. In fact, he told him to come to Mount Sinai. He said, listen, I'm going to make you a nation of kings and priests. I want the whole nation to be kings and priests. I want every one of you to just come into my presence. You don't have, doesn't have to be the high priest. Right? But then, what did, what, did, what did the Jewish people say? No, no, we're afraid of that. Because they have a consciousness of sin. No way, this God dude, right? No. Moses, you go take care of the dirty work. We're going to hang out here. Just tell God, we'll do whatever you tell us to do. Evil. Evil is toilsome labor, work, right? Servant, slavehood, old covenant. So, but he's telling them, listen, here's where you'll meet with me. You can, I'm gonna come meet man between the mercy seat, between the cherubim. I mean, on, on the mercy seat between the cherubim. So it's a picture of where, how God's gonna meet us. You guys get it? Okay, so that is a picture of the mercy seat with the angel-looking things, the cherubim. Amen? You guys get it? And so here's what would happen. On the Day of Atonement, they would sacrifice a lamb again. They would sacrifice a lamb at, three, uh, at 9 a.m. And then the evening sacrifice was at 3 p.m. I know you guys have been to, to Jerusalem. They probably tell some of these stories, etc. But uh, when was Jesus hung on the cross? 9 a.m. When did he give up the ghost? 3 p.m. The minute he gave up the ghost, there was still an old temple system going on with the high priest. And the high priest, when the sacrifice was accepted, goes, it is finished. So Jesus, the real lamb, is on the cross, and he goes, it's finished, and he rested. He cleaned his head, is what it says. Now I have found a place. I have now have a body where I can rest my head. I needed you guys. I don't have a place to put my head yet because I don't have a body, which is really the, we're the, really the temple system is what it says. But now that I've rested, now, now that I've sacrificed sin, I can pour out my spirit on all of you because you're all sinless. Amen? And now I can lay my head on you. And I'm the head, and you're the body. Amen? Isn't that beautiful? Now fall down on the anointing. No, it's not it. So anyway, <laughs> I'm not against any of that. I just, I didn't see a lot of results. So I have no problem. If you fall down, whatever, okay? All right, this is the mercy seat. There's two angels on either side. Where, where do we see this story in fulfillment? Let's go, let's go on. John 20, but Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stood down and looked into the tomb. And she saw what? Two angels in white one at the head, one at the foot. Didn't he say, here's where I'm going to meet with you. There's going to be one angel on one end of the, of the mercy seat, and there's going to be another angel on the other end of the mercy seat. And the blood is, is put 
seven times for man on the ground, so man can stand in God's presence again, but only one time on the mercy seat because one sacrifice is good for all. Okay? So he's telling him, this is how I'm going to meet with you. You can't come to me. That's why scripture says, don't say you're going to achieve heaven and don't say you're going to be judged and you go down to hell. That's, that's killing Jesus all over again. Don't say that. Just say, he came to meet us and now it's free. I'm just trying to make sure all the, you understand all these scriptures. Okay? All right. So, when Mary, so Mary runs up to the, to the uh, tomb and what does she see? Two angels in white, at one hand and the other at the foot, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him. She didn't understand this yet. Does that make sense? It's like, what she was viewing was the real mercy seat. Jesus' own blood was on that slab between the two angels. Now I can meet with man anytime. You can come boldly to the throne. I'm going to pour out my spirit on all. Because you're holy now. You weren't holy, but now you're holy Amen? I can put my anointing on all of you. Every one of you, not just the prophet, priest, and king. And even Jesus says, those are all even pictures of me. So, all right. Lord, I don't know where you've laid him. Now when he said this, she turned around and Jesus standing there did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Who are you seeking? All right? She supported, supposing to him to be the gardener. Because he was the gardener. The first Adam lost it. Where? In the garden. So the last Adam is going to redeem it where? In the garden. He came as the gardener. Isn't that beautiful? That's beautiful to me. She supposed him to be the gardener. I love it. Sir. <laughs> hey, uh, True Green. Tell me where you carried this guy. She didn't realize he rose yet. She doesn't understand this thing. Follow me? She just thinks somebody stole him. Now, if you really go look at commentary, when the disciples walked in, it says, you know what, they saw, if you go look at how they, go, go Google how old Jewish um, burials were. When they would wrap them in burial clothes and put the spices and everything in there, it would become this solid structure, like a mummy-like structure that's solid, okay? And it says then the napkin was folded and it was set aside separate from the thing. So imagine this mummy-looking thing. The disciples look in and there you go. There's this 200-pound burial clothes wrapped in things that's become hard like a mummy casket now, and there's nobody in it. That's why they believed, guys. Because they're in there and they go, if it was cut open and, no, wait a minute. There's the shape of his body in this 200-pound cast mummy-like thing that's rigid and hard, and there's nobody in it. He rose from the dead in his glorified body. He came right out out of that mummy thing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But his blood was shed between the two cherubim. He fulfilled that. Does that make sense? And it's a type and shadow. Now, there's still more to this. I'll keep going. You guys okay? Is this a better Easter service? And he's risen. Now, shape up and stop sinning. (laughs) I would if I could. That's why I stopped coming to church. Because you guys just beat me up. I only come on Easter. Right? (laughs) <laughs> that was me <laughs> Michael you're coming to church God, I hate it I already feel bad about myself I don't need you to tell me one more time Reverend Ryan Brandt I remember he looked I always thought he was looking at me I was like jeez I didn't have an iPad or an iPhone or anything to just hide because if you ever did anything your mom slapped you in the pews right you're sitting there oh no he's looking at me 
If you do have sin in your life, yeah, 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 pretty much me. So anyway, and what is he supposed to be telling you? This is the best news of your life, guys. He's taking it away. Hallelujah. Now, here's why people do not dare preach that, because they think you're giving them a license to sin. No, you're just hiding it and you're sinning in your heart. You whitewash tomb you. You look good on the outside because you're not committing the actual sin, but worse is the condition of your heart. So guess what? When you start getting religious and you don't realize you're forgiven of sin, all sin, that you're righteous in every way, what do you start doing? Pointing out other people's sins. Because your heart's dying. You need to cleanse for your heart. Hallelujah. Anyway, so, sir, true green, where is my guy? Tell me where you've laid him. I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, oh, you're not the gardener. You just came as the gardener. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned to him and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. Jesus said to her, don't cling to me for I have not yet ascended to my father. Why couldn't she cling to him yet? Where after he came down, after he came back down to earth, he said, touch me. Thomas, feel, look, I got holes. I got everything. Touch me. Feel me. But here he says, don't touch me. You know why? He had to be the first fruit. The father had to be the first one to hug the firstborn son. Jesus goes, don't touch me yet. I have to be the firstborn. I have to go. I haven't gone up to heaven yet. And you just saw the angels and the cherubim. It's a type and shadow, but the real one, I need to go give my blood up into the temple in heaven, made without hands, and sprinkle the blood seven times for man and one time for all sin on the mercy seat. I am the first fruits, the first that rose from the dead. Isn't that beautiful? So he goes, don't touch me yet, Mary. I haven't gone to, ascended to heaven yet. I need to go take care of this thing. Once, it's, once I place that blood on that mercy seat, sins are forgiven forever. I can come down. You can touch me. Isn't that awesome? So Jesus said, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But I go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and whose Father? Our Father. Our Father. You know what that, that, the reason the Jews killed Jesus was because he said he was what? A son. Why would you, if Solomon Popovich says, hey, I'm the son of Mike, would that, would that offend you? Why did it offend the Jews so much? You got to understand God only gives birth to his kind. So if he says, I am a son of the Father, what did that make him? Co-equal with the Father. Does God have any sin? No. So he can only give birth to things that have no sin. So when you are born again out of a belief system, what are you really saying? I'm sinless. I'm now married to Jesus. That's why, to me, the sinner's prayer, I think, does nothing most of the time. You know, like, oh, he said the sinner's prayer. It didn't change him. Nothing changed. I know for me, I got a Bible and I was 13. Everybody congratulated me. And I remember walking off the stage going, that was anticlimactic. <laughs> nothing changed. Because I didn't know I was sinless yet. The fact that I can take his name, that I'm married to salvation. I can take his name, the name above all names. That means he's sinless and I'm a co-equal with him. I'm married to him now. I'm a joint heir. It's a mystery. So it says two have become one. Amen? So her and I, two have become one. It's weird. We kind of know each other pretty well. Because two have become one. And that's how we're supposed to know Jesus, that we're completely sinless. Amen? Because he's taken away the sin of the world. And now, how can I be married to him? Unless I'm sinless. You can't. Amen? You guys getting this? So the fact that he could say, I'm ascending to my father, and now not only is he my father, he's what? your father. 
Oh, to a Jewish mind that exploded. To a Christian mind, it's like, yeah, whatever, he's risen. <laughs> and sadly, that's how I grew up. God, we, were, we were religious, man. We went to church all the time. Nobody ever told me I was sinless. The one message of Christianity, you're forgiven. Never heard. You're forgiven until you mess up. Be awesome like me. No life in that. No life in that. Amen? So, does that, does that make sense to you guys? So the true mercy seat, he shows him a picture again. Mary runs in there. He goes, don't touch me. I got to go fulfill all the feasts. The, the feasts. The feasts. What do you do at a feast? You party and eat, man. That's why Christians, it just drives me crazy when people are fasting and not, don't eat that, don't drink that. It's get holy. No. The minute the blood was sacrificed, they partied. They had a feast. Amen? But we're still trying to fast to somehow receive something that he's given us for free. Paul never talks about it. The only time he talks about fasting, he goes, I fasted because I didn't have any food. If I had food, even if it was sacrificed to a demon, you know what I would have done? Praise God, let's eat this thing. That's what it says, doesn't it? <laughs> no, we self-sacrifice. Oh, I'm giving that up for Lent. You're stupid. Feast. You got to know what it talks about. It's a party because the blood's been shed and you're forgiven. Now let's have a party in the Father's house. We're at the table. We're at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Are you married to him or not? I know you've heard all these scriptures, but you haven't received one of them, most of you guys. Receive the good news. He set you free. You're free. Let's party. Amen? No, let's have solemn communion and point out that guy's sin. I hate it. That's why I told her, I go, I'm not cut out to be a pastor. This thing, I, I'll get angry with most pastors. It's not going to work. Because I think they're preaching the wrong message. The gospel of reconciliation. What is good news? If I'm a sinner to tell me that I need to stop sinning, is that good news to me? I, no. What's the good news of Jesus? He didn't come to condemn you. He's not judging you. He came to do what? Save you. How did he do it? By the remission of sin. He shed his blood. With the blood is shed, now there is remission of sin. You should have no more consciousness of it. Does that help you guys? Okay, let's keep going. Ah, we'll finish here. We guys good? <laughs> you guys good? I just, it's so good that religion drives me nuts. Sorry, it just does. I, I have a hard time. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I try to listen to something. I try to turn something on. I'm like, God, I can't do this. I can't do it. Because it's just mixture everywhere I look. It's just, can you just preach the gospel one time? Tell them once that they're okay, that they're completely loved, they're completely forgiven. He was the lamb. He's the redeemer. He's the, he's the mercy seat. He's all those Old Testament pictures. He fasted for 40 days. Don't you know that was your fast where there was no bread? He, he fasted for 40 days. He was, your, he, was your, he was your Adam that God judges you for. Did he do a good 40-day fast? Perfection. I received that one by faith. Thank you, Father. Amen? The only reason they fasted was a picture where there was no bread. Now that we, his bread, he, Jesus was the bread of life, wasn't he? And then he says, listen, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So the only fasted when there was no bread. Now that we have bread that never leaves us nor forsakes us, what are we doing? No, I'm, I'm putting my flesh down so I can get closer to Jesus. That is the very definition of flesh. Flesh is I must do something to get close to Jesus. Put my flesh down. No, heal your heart. 
The kingdom of God doesn't come by fasting. It doesn't come by holy days. It doesn't come by moons. It doesn't come by any of that is what Jesus said. You're complete in Christ. Don't let anybody beguile you by that simplicity. Does that make sense to you guys? Sorry, I feel like I'm preaching at you. I don't want to. I, I just know there's so many strongholds about religion that, we, that people have, and I had them, and so I, I'm just trying to preach stuff that I go, man, that freed me when I finally understood some of this stuff, where I don't have to feel guilty about anything anymore. Hallelujah. Amen? Does that help you guys? All right. So Romans 4.25, he was delivered up because of what? Our offenses. He was raised because of what? Our justification. So Jesus comes in Jerusalem. He is, the, he is the, the lamb on the 10th of Nisan. They inspect him for four days. I find no fault in this guy. They kill him. He goes on the cross at, at 9 a.m., which is the morning sacrifice in the temple. He actually gives up the spirit when? 3 p.m., which is the evening sacrifice. The minute the evening sacrifice was accepted in the temple, the high priest yells, it's finished. So Jesus, when all of the sin is placed on him by faith, what does he say? I've finished the law, man. I've fulfilled this thing. Every jot and tittle. Now, Lord, into your spirit, into your hands I give him my spirit, and he rested. All the work's been done. All the work's been done. You finish work, you receive gifts constantly. Follow me? It's finished. So he goes into the grave for three days. And the scripture clearly says, after three days, early on the third day, what happened? He rose. The the wages for sin is death. The fact that he received all of mankind's sin, not just me, not just you, all. Amen? By faith, he received all of it. He took our death. Could he have risen if there was still sin? No. Because the wages of sin is death. There's no way out of it. But the fact that he could rise means you're forgiven forever. I preserve the way back into the tree of life. Now you're forgiven, you're righteous, you're holy, you're loved perfectly. Freely receive my healing, freely receive everything I have, freely receive my provision, I give you my shalom, freely. Not as the world gives. Because the world, you get what? Wages. I did something and I get a wage. Jesus goes, no, my, my, my idea was always grace. I wanted to give it to you freely. That's the only way you're gonna find life. Does that make sense? If you have to do anything, it'll lead to death. You have the shalom of Jesus, period. Does that help you guys? All right, let's finish this thing. So Easter, the resurrection of Christ, is proof to us that what? The fact that he rose is what? It's proof that sin's been removed. Doesn't that make sense to you guys? He was the true lamb. He was the scapegoat that went out in the wilderness. The minute he went into the baptism of John, he came out by faith and said, all the sin of the world's been placed on me, and I'm gonna go out into the wilderness so you never see sin ever again. Psalm 103 says, he's removed sin as far as the, but not out of your pastor's office. Not out of the elders meeting. He's removed it as far as the, how far is the east from the west? It's infinite. You can't get there from here. It's an old REM song, right? Driver 8. You guys know that? Driver 8? Can't get there from here. That's what it's, anyway. You guys know what I'm talking about. I'm a big music guy. I love it. <laughs> can't get there from here. So, meaning you can't find sin anymore. The last place it should be talked about is here in the church. It's the, it's the new covenant ministers are supposed to show you how good you are, not how bad you are. Amen? They're not supposed to prophesy about, I know this about you. You don't even want me to start talking about you. Because I know what's in your heart, you thing you. Right? All right. 
So Christ has proved to us that the Lamb of God has taken away the sin of the world. We should have no more consciousness of sin. Because if that thing, Old Covenant, worked, which was just a story, this one, he sat down and never had to sacrifice ever again. If he never had to do it again, then how much sin is left? None. None. He, every scripture says it. Behold, the Lamb, he took away the sin of the world. Psalm 103. His mercy endures for, until you come to church. <laughs> so I'm just trying to show you how messed up we most of this 2,000 years of preaching we've had. His mercy, what is mercy? You don't get what you deserve. Thank you, Father. His, that mercy endures for how long? Forever. So you're ever going to get what you deserve? <coughs> from your parents, maybe. Um, not from the Father. He goes, listen, my mercy endures forever. Go read Psalm 103. He's removed sin as far as the east is from the west. He was that scapegoat. He was the lamb. He was the, he was the sacrifice. He was the ox that was nailed to the cross. You guys get it? Okay, so we should have no more consciousness of sin. We can always know we're loved, secure, joint heirs of our father and husband, Jesus Christ. So stand to your feet. So what do we do? What do we do? We first need to have consciousness of our... Of our now, that blood, all these stories are for who? It wasn't to satisfy God. It was to satisfy your heart. God was satisfied. My whole idea was grace. I never wanted you to eat from that tree where you felt guilty, ever. Man, now they've become like one of us is what it says, right? What does that mean? We were dirt, and he breathed life into us, right? Can dirt produce life? Well, my pre-med biology teacher said it could um, at the Air Force Academy. We are the best of the best. I remember talking to Barbara go, man, they're telling me dirt can produce life. And the cesspool of stuff, and then boom, the big bang, and things like that. And I remember coming out of pre-med classes going, what a whacked out system we've got. Because they would go through this whole system and fat, lipid, some of you guys are docs, you know what I'm talking about. The, the fat lipid bilayer, and then it form this little uh, half moon looking thing. And we don't know what happens from here, but somehow all of a sudden there's life. And now, once we skip that, now we go here. We go, wow, what a messed up planet. Anyway, <laughs> dirt cannot produce life. So man now thinks he eats from the wrong tree, he eats from the tree of good and what? works. Literally, it's evil. Go read it. It's painful toil, work. That's why the old covenant, you're made a slave. You need, what do slaves do for their master? Work for them. That's why the old covenant, you're always a slave, a servant, right? But the new covenant, you're what? Put the shoes back on, put the robe back on, put the ring back on. Was the, was the prodigal son full of sin? Yes. How did God respond? No problem, let's have a party. It's never been my, I've never wanted to judge you, Joe. Right? You're judging yourself. The same measure you judge is how you're going to be judged. So if you think there's still sin, you know what? You're going to have a sin consciousness. And you're going to be judged. You know who you're going to judge? Yourself. So when you start pointing out flaws in other people, you know who you're really killing? You. You sinner. You see that? You see what they're doing on Easter? They mowed their lawn. Whatever, I don't know. That's just how I grew up. I didn't know that was the rule. I'd mow my lawn. It's a good day. Sunday. I don't have school. Let's mow the lawn. Man, you did the wrath of the hell. It's like the elders' meeting was at my house. 
I got a single mom. She doesn't know. Just get out there and mow. So the church just beats her up brutally because she's mowing on the Sabbath. Jesus goes, have no respect for days. It's just a picture of the true rest, which was me. Can you mow on Easter? Yeah. You, you, can, you, can, you can do this. You can watch the Yankees game today. And he'll be right there with you doing it. He goes, you want to do that? That's the exact idea I want to do too. I'm married to you and this will be a blast. Let's go watch the Yankees game. Hallelujah. You want to really freak out the religious people? Have a beer and a hot dog. Oh, God. On Easter? If I was there, trust me. Anyway. Hallelujah. You guys know you want to. You just just lie about it and do it behind my back. So... Anyway, let's just stop lying, right? Just live. (laughs) And you know what's amazing? When you're that free, you don't abuse it. You enjoy it. It's a feast. You enjoy it. Amen? Jesus came eating and drinking. They said, you know what? You're a glutton and a wine-bibber. This old covenant, the the last old covenant, John the Baptist says, listen, anybody in the kingdom is greater than who? John the Baptist. So every one of you are greater than John the Baptist. Amazing? He came not eating and drinking, and what'd they say? He's got a demon. <laughs> Just religious people make me laugh. So he's not eating and drinking. He's following all your rules. And you know what you're going to tell him? You got a demon. Now Jesus comes drinking wine and eating. And what do they call him? <laughs> you glutton and you wine bibber. Like what is wrong with religious people? Which one? You know what they can't get? A rest for their conscience. <clears throat> Why can't I get rest? Hey, he's forgiven you forever. Now you can rest and be free. You can live life. Follow me? You can live the feast that he always wanted for his kids. Come boldly to the throne. Now, what does this mean? Jesus said, listen, I'm going to send to my father and whose father? Your father. We covered this last week. So John, in the book of John, really, I think it's in all three, three of the synoptic gospels where it says, listen, Jesus tells them, he said, listen, up until now, you haven't even dared to use my name with the Father because you needed a mediator, me. Because you couldn't go straight into the Father's presence. But I'm telling you now that you can pray to the Father. And I'm not going to pray for you. Scripture is really clear. Jesus says, I'm not going to do the one praying anymore. I'm not going to be the mediator. You yourself can go straight into the Father's presence. Because he's now made you what he always wanted is a kingdom of kings and priests. Every one of you can go to the Father, not just the anointed one, the the man of God. He's no better than the prostitute. God, all of his kids. They're all of his kids. Does that make sense? They're all his kids. He goes, I love them all. The wrath of God is to destroy that old religious system where they had to be good enough. And to now I can take every one of you into my household. So if I'm in the household of God, you know what I can ask for? Everything Jesus has. Does that make sense? So that's why Jesus says, up until now, you've, you, I was your mediator, But now, I'm not going to pray for you. I'm not going to be a mediator. You yourself can call him daddy. The same spirit that says, I didn't come to give you the spirit of fear. What produced fear? Sin consciousness. They ate from evil. I have to work to be pleasing to God. My behavior is what's going to make me pleasing to God. Does that make sense? We're Adam and Eve still pleasing to God. Yes. So he destroyed that workspace system. Evil. Evil is, I hate that, God says. I hate it. I wanted to freely give to my kids always out of grace. Because understand what I'm trying to tell you? The whole thing is wrapped up in that same message. So he says, listen, 
Fear came from a guilt consciousness, a sin consciousness. That's why Adam and Eve tried to cover themselves with their own labor, fig leaves, okay? But now Jesus says, listen, you can now go straight into the Father's presence. And if, you're, if you can go into the Father's presence, ask. Sometimes he answers, sometimes he doesn't. God works in mysterious ways. How do you know if he's not answering? I've heard all these nonsense things. What does it say? Ask. Whatever you need. And Jesus says, I will do it. But you're going to ask the Father yourself. You can go straight to the Father's presence. I will do it so that your joy may be full. Hallelujah, man. Isn't that good news? So if you need anything covered by salvation, the first thing you need is forgiveness of sins. Every one of you. In fact, if you've been in church, you typically need it more than anybody. I mean that. If you're an elder in the church and you've been there, you typically do not know the forgiveness of sins. That's why when Jesus was with the prostitute, said, hey, he who is without sin, let them cast the first law, stone. Who left first? The oldest. The oldest had to leave first because they're the most guilty typically. Because they've been in church system their whole life trying to please God and can't. Their consciousness just reeks of sin consciousness. So I would just say, I'm not looking at anybody. <laughs> Don't look. I'm just saying, I'm trying to heal your heart, man. Because when I'm dealing with these elders and different things, I can tell when they get you, all of a sudden they'll go, oh man, that does good for my heart. Good, good for my soul. They'll say things like that. The self-righteous ones still go away mad. He can't preach that. A heart of unbelief. That's why they didn't enter into the kingdom, into the land flowing with milk and honey. Right? They didn't believe that when the Ark of the Covenant went in, that sin was backed up to Adam, so they could never enter in. Moses had to die. The old covenant had to die. Now Joshua, Yeshua, bring them across the river Jordan. Bring them into the new covenant. You got to die. That was my death. Now the sin's been removed. Now I can freely receive to the Father and ask. If you require, it's not, Lord, please. It's if you require anything, you ask and you will receive it so that your joy may be full. So whatever you need. First, you need to know you're completely sinless because now you're worthy to go into the Father's presence. And you can ask for anything you need. And it's going to be some fruit, guys. It's going to be some fruit. As we've been talking about the healing codes and love code and heart math, it says if you could ask anything, what would you ask for? If you're sick, you need what? Health. If you're broke, what do you need? Money. But then the real thing, it's never anything external is what we've been talking about. Because the kingdom of God is what? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the, in the holy, the set-apart spirit that I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a son again in the Father's house. That's the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? He poured that spirit that you can now say, I didn't give you a spirit of fear where you have to worry about me judging you for your sin. I gave you a spirit that now you can cry out, you're my dad, and I can ask for anything. I gave you a spirit that you can say, Abba, Father. Hallelujah. That's what all these verses are about. Ha. Huh. So, how would it make you feel? If you were granted your request, how would it make you feel? That's what we're after, guys. That's the cleanse for the heart. Does that make sense? So if you need money, it's typically, God, that would make me secure. Right? If you have a guilty conscience, you're like, I just want to know, have no more guilt and shame. It's really the fruit of the Spirit what we're after. So I don't care what you need. If you need money, great. We go, you know what, Lord, I need this. And you know what he says? You already have it. You have my shalom. Why don't you meditate on the fact that you're never going to be without 
Why don't you meditate on the fact that I perfectly love you forever? You don't ever have to have a guilty conscience of shame or guilt for anything you've done. For anything. Isn't that amazing? For anything. So what you really need there is I need, I need to feel peace. I need the shalom of Jesus. So that's what we're going to ask for, whatever you need. Does that make sense? It's okay to ask for the material thing too, but I would ask for the material thing as well as, Lord, and this is how it make me feel. So heal my heart, heal my mind. Let that, your love of God, which is the, the message of God that became flesh, it heals every part, your spirit, soul, and body. So if he perfectly loves you, is he ever going to go, not enough faith, I'm not going to give it to you. How, how, would that, how would your marriage relationship do that? Hey, Arnold, I'm hungry. Nah, I sense a little unbelief there. That's how we treat the Heavenly Father. What a screwed up message that is. Does that make sense? And Scripture clearly says, listen, if you understand how simple this thing being an earthly father, how much more the Heavenly Father, if you need anything, I'm going to give it to you. How much more? Amen? And yet we got all these faith teachers mixing it all up. No, 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 it's your faith, it's the balance, it's all this nonsense. There's no balance, it's bogus. Everybody by faith, it's by grace. So what that means is, I believe I don't have to earn anything. I believe I earned it by faith in Jesus. That now he faithfully gives to me freely. Amen? It's not your level, guys. It's, sorry, it's not your balance, it's not, because now you're going to worry about how balanced am I? I don't know, you're... There's no covenant anymore, there's no foundation, a firm foundation where you can rest your soul. The rest of my soul in, he will never leave me for it to forsake me. He's my husband that treats me perfectly because he loves me perfectly. And he will take care of my every need. Health, finances, joy, everything. So let's come boldly to the throne. Does that make sense to you guys? So Father, we love you. We praise you. You know what every one of us needs, including me. Ah, Jesus was the love of the Father, the word of God that became flesh. Father, just let their, his unconditional love feel every every cell in our body, every part of our spirit, every part of our mind, will, and emotions, every one of us, just let your perfect love for us overwhelm us. Let us realize your mercy endures forever. You removed sin as far as the east is from the west. That's the good news of Easter. He rose. It's proof that our heart can rest knowing that we're back in the Father's family. There's no more sin separating us. We're free. So we freely come to you. We boldly come to you, Lord, based on the living way Jesus allows us to come into your presence and live and boldly ask for anything so that joy may be full. So, Father, if they need security, just let your overwhelming love give them a piece of security. If they need significance, get, let them, they're already good. They don't need to perform. Let them know how significant they are, that if they were the only person on the whole planet, you still would have died so that they could rest their conscience knowing that I'm okay forever because of Jesus. That's how much you love them. So, Father, heal every relationship, heal every part of their body, heal everything that needs to be healed in their spirit, soul, and body. And we just think on lovely things, awesome things. If there's anything of virtue, which is lovely and pure, we don't look at sin, we look at Jesus, the author and finisher. So we just say thank you. Father, we thank you for your supernatural result this week. Let this message get deep down into their hearts so they can freely start to receive how good the kingdom really is. And we just say thank you, Lord, on this Easter day that he's risen, he's conquered sin, we can come boldly to the throne and forever be secure in him. In Jesus' magnificent name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.